Well, boys and girls of the 70 million Irish community around the world, welcome to what is likely to be the second last, if not the last, of the Global Gale Women's World Cup special podcasts. I did promise you that we will bring you a podcast about each team on our way through this wonderful World Cup experience, the first for our women's team. And as I'm speaking to you now, our second game has been played and our World Cup, it's not over, but it's effectively over because we can't make it to the last 16. So our last game is coming up, as I'm talking to you now, it'll be about 48 hours away on Monday against Nigeria, uh, the best team ever to come out of Africa, as you're about to hear. And... I'm, I'm sorry I'm bringing this to you a little bit late, right? Because I did want to bring it to you sort of straight after the Australia game. But two things happened. One was we did a Twitter space about the Australia game. And then uh, we were reached by the news that the great Irish singer Sinead O'Connor had passed away at the age of 56. And lads, that has knocked me for six. And I've been doing various different pieces and the bits and pieces in the background. And I'm hoping to bring you a podcast about Sinead uh, in the near future because she was somebody who meant an awful lot to me. Her music meant an awful lot to me. And I was lucky enough to meet her on a few occasions and she was just a tremendous person. And a very... A very vibrant and a very important person in Irish life and there's a lot of things that get said about her and that are being said about her at the moment and it's lovely to hear lovely things being said about her but there's an awful lot of people who are saying yeah no we supported her who weren't anywhere to be seen when she actually needed that support. So that kind of threw me off a little bit and it's taken me a little bit of time to pull myself together to get this podcast ready for you this evening. Um. I hope you're enjoying the women's football. I really hope you enjoy the game against Australia. And a few minutes in, Katie McCabe, Tala's finest, gets a corner out on the left-hand side. Kira Caruso has already gone really, really close, right? Won a corner. And the next thing, Katie knocks that ball in there and just curls it in under the uh, under the crossbar at the far post there. And that was our first goal for our women's team in the World Cup. And it was a tremendous moment. And it was so fitting for Katie McCabe to get it. And then we were kind of undone by the sort of... I, I, I hate to talk about luck in elite sport, lads, because, you know, you make your own luck and preparation plays an awful big part in that, you know. But we were kind of undone there. Um, we had an own goal by Megan Connolly, who very unluckily uh, stuck out her foot and the ball just tipped our studs and it just gave it enough of a spin to take it part, past uh, Courtney Brosnan in the goal. That was 1-1 before the break. And I've been talking to people, because I work with sports journalism and I'm covering the tournament anyway from my home in Stockholm, I've been talking to people who just gone, Jesus, if they only had gotten to half time, and maybe if they'd gotten a second goal in the first half and they were doing really well, because Canada, the Olympic champions, very good team. They came out in the second half then, and a few minutes into the second half, they had a brilliantly worked goal. A ball very similar in the same sort of area that uh, Australia got their penalty from in the first game. So, But that's what happens at this level. That's what happens when they're playing with the big girls. These things happen, and they do things, and over the course of 90 minutes, uh, it's very, very seldom that you get a result at this level that, that isn't deserved you know in Canada we're definitely worth a win you can say that Ireland probably deserved a draw especially for how they played in the first half but that was it but listen there's one more game left to play and we are going to go down we will either come home with our shield or on it boys and girls and who are we facing we are facing Nigeria right so I got on to my friend Samuel Ahmadou in uh, in Nigeria because he there's nobody I know better than him uh, who knows that team better than him, right? And we saw as well, and this is going to be interesting if you're going to watch the rest of the tournament, right? Because they came out and did what we couldn't do, right? They beat Australia 3-2. And really they're sort of relying, or the rest of the teams in the group now, Australia and Canada, are relying on us to do certain things against Nigeria. So this is still a very important game. Uh, people have referred to it as a dead rubber. Uh, Owen on the second captain's podcast called it very much a live rubber. So there's definitely something here. And I spoke about it on the Twitter space I did with Marco Sullivan, who is uh, the associate professor of football at the School of Sports Science in Oslo in Norway. And on the Twitter space, he was saying, talking about the integrity of the competition and how important it is that it'd be brilliant to give, like, you know, Chloe Mustaki and all the other guys who haven't had a run yet, to give them a run just to say, so that they can go back to their club and say, I played at the World Cup. This is who I am now. It'd be a brilliant thing. But at the same time, as Mark was saying, the integrity of the competition is vital. And we need to go out there and we need to put it up to Nigeria and we need to try to beat them. And I think that these girls, like Katie McCabe, like Denise O'Sullivan, like Louise Quinn, who was sporting a black eye the other day, the great Sinead Farley, all of these girls, Megan Campbell is going to want revenge, you know. So, you know, I wouldn't go to sleep on this team yet, lads, because actually our best game, our best performance and our best achievement of the World Cup might be before us. But as I say, it's going to come against Nigeria. So let's have a little chat with Samuel now and he'll give you the lowdown on African football. And I hope after these three podcasts that you've 
built up an interest in it now, not just in the girls in green, but just in the tournament in general, because it's well worth watching, and the growth in the women's game means that it's going to become, if it's important now, in four years' time, it's going to be even more important again. Uh, get in the bandwagon now, lads. I've been on it for some time, and it's good crack, right? So here we are, Samuel talking about Nigeria. Again, this conversation took place before any games were played in the World Cup, but he'll give you the lowdown on what to watch out for on Monday, wherever you are in the world, when you're watching the girls in green taking them on at the World Cup. Let's do this. Samuel, it's an absolute pleasure and a privilege to have you on. I know how busy you are with the Women's World Cup coming up, but I really wanted to get the background for Irish fans around the world about Nigeria, because I think they might know a little bit about Australia and they might know a little bit about Canada, but they know very little about Nigeria, despite the fact that they're probably Africa's most successful team in international football. So could we maybe start with a little bit of the history of uh, the Super Eagles, the, the women's team in Nigeria? Oh, well, like you already know, uh, Nigeria is the most successful team in Africa, men, even from men and women. I think uh, when it, uh, the African champions with lifetime record number, and uh, that even in uh, 11 appearances, and that uh, as a massive advantage by two. I think, sorry, in 12 appearances, and I think uh, it's a massive advantage they've had and qualified for almost every edition of the people who made World Cup. So uh, they'll be competing in their life, and that definitely comes with. Uh, baggages of experiences and also having uh, so much quality of presence in terms of uh, talent that has come to the ranks at the various stages of the of the national team. And you know, understand the fact that Nigeria compared the inaugural uh, Women's World Cup, and this was a tournament that had some of the best uh, from Africa uh, on the Nigerian side. You know, boasting of uh, uh, the likes of uh, Beth Yakini, that that was uh, the, the the first ever. Uh, African best player. The first ever player to be awarded African best. Uh, this really caught in a, a little way. We had uh, the likes of Messi, Akide. We also have a picture of Uja, who also uh, has some uh, incredible records in Africa and uh, had some soccer field in Europe, you know, especially playing in Sweden. So uh, we have got rich uh, history of players that have really been expelled uh, consistently at various things and at various levels. Realistically, the, the, the strength of Nigeria is heavily uh, hinged on a domestic league. Over the years, we've had uh, the Nigerian Women's Premier League, now called Nigerian Women's uh, Football League Premiership, uh, has over the years produced and also built uh, a talent back for the Nigerian national team. And year year, to keep having fresh and neat talent that really go uh, from the domestic success uh, from the country success to also achieving great success on the global stage. Although we have really gone far on the global stage, you know, as many would have expected, but again, I think we've had uh, moments of brilliance, moments that have made us incredible. Unlike a man that also made great success of only winning the Olympics, the women has also married the quarterfinal, the only African side to have achieved that thing and back in 1999. So it's a we are featuring. Uh, to support, and we trade close uh, in 2019, you know, having reached the knockout stadium, but unfortunately, our friend again, uh, so Nigeria is so rich in terms of talent, quality, and you know, understand the fact Nigeria also produced the highest number of African best. I'm not ignoring the fact that the reigning African best is a sort of Tuala, who has won five times a record number. I uh, she played for the best team in Europe, so uh, I think that doesn't come uh, too lightly, you know. And she was also the, the highest scorer of Puna, but it just comes to that also the season before it. So the five seven the feature award uh, with the Brazilian player from Manchester United, who is now with Barcelona, she has consistently been Barcelona's top scorer. Yeah. So this tells me that we have that history of producing some of the best player from Africa. We also dominate. Up clubs in Europe. So uh, it, it's a very big system. I didn't enjoy it uh, in terms of talent and generational transmission. I feel having that growth, uh, that kind of society uh, uh, transition from the age grade. Nigeria State is almost every age grade supplement for women's football. We've been in the, in the finals twice, but in the 20 I uh, just at the recent one, when the final for the fifth time, I think, and the, the other seven fifth. We, we came forward. 
you know, the best Africa ever had. And that, that tells me a lot that uh, having seen how much the domestic labor and also helped our youth, our national team to excel, did as somewhat generated into the success we've enjoyed at the global stadium. Well, things have begun to change in recent times, seeing the influx of foreign born. Nigeria is everywhere in the body, even in Ireland. So uh, you could imagine the incredible number of Nigerians, professionally uh, and also very fantastic players, playing the goal, now in the represent Nigeria. We didn't know that their chances are limited with uh, their, 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 uh, their country of birth. So this is some of the opportunities, and this is somewhat bringing massive plot to the Nigerian national team and helping to shape the history of the team and also helping to. Uh, Give us some, some 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 very good push to make a global impact like this. Ensuring that yet we could do better and surpass the feats we've achieved in the past. And I think things uh, are looking up in Nigeria, regardless of what happened at the last African formation, the potential, the talent uh, is there, and this is no surprise. And obviously, we you can see from this moment, we are also feeling some of the youngest players uh, at the World Cup. The same way we had in 2019, having. Uh, the youngest keeper who also emerged, who also kept the clean sheet, becoming the youngest man to keep a clean sheet. Currently, she's with Paris in France. So she's already put in at all and has back to back qualified her team to the Champions League. Uh, it, it's really an incredible history in Nigeria during the West You know, the performance that the Night Night is the Nigeria's biggest uh, achievement at the global stage. Uh, you know, so it's, it, it's incredible. And I must say, I think. Uh, it's something Ireland fans will really be, they came to see much of, especially knowing that uh, just like Hannah do have, Ireland do have some supporters, we have our. I was thinking those supporters must be delighted with what the Nigerian women's team have done over the years. How are they perceived in Nigeria, Samuel? Because you know the way in some countries like Brazil, women's football was looked down on for many years, despite Mata, despite all these great players. Are they as loved uh, by the Nigerian people as the men's team are, or is there still some work to do there? Yeah, definitely every day. Nigeria has raised the standard of women's football, and you know, having achieved uh, so much being the most successful national team in Africa, both men and women. Uh, you will know that definitely the body is on the pay. Uh, it's some of what we tell when you take on the, the Nigeria eats and you want to represent Nigeria, the expectations are always high. So, and you know, especially when we go away to the nation's cup, not winning it or winning a medal, you know, created or received a lot of backlash because. It's even the list of coaches from Nigeria with all these work into such tournament are winning because we know we have the talent. And especially when uh, you have a coach that boasts of massive uh, professional players and great presence of talented players from home and abroad, they surely would not expect anything less than enjoying great soccer at the global stage, especially from the continent. So I think this is why the expectation is so high. Uh, beyond the, 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 the quality of talent we do parade, Players from top clubs across zero, a Benfica, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, a good domestic in QS. We have four players in QS, Racing, uh, Robert. Well, so much talented players all over. And definitely, in the top of France, of uh, Rosengard, in Sweden. So, uh, you know, we can go on and on. And they tell you that, yeah, these are, are close, are uh, this is an area of craft that definitely on a good day, individually, we already and great attention, especially from countries where they are playing. So I think it's somewhat uh, valuable, valuable talented school that we do have, that I think will only appeal to the fans and will globally also draw attention when we added the strength of the countries and the clubs they do play for globally. So when you have a player out there, so naturally you see personally about Nigeria who loves Nigeria. We want to follow her, we want to see her. So it's not just about Nigeria, understand that Nigerian culture, we are always uh, and let's say we are always uh, so far everywhere in the world. Nigeria is almost everywhere in the world. And especially when you don't have Nigeria in the country, then it feels the country is not a friendly country. So I think it tells you that Nigeria, any place, any time, if they are not in the tournament, uh, like it's so at the, at, the, at, the, at the World Cup, they are from Nigeria, I really think somewhat some sign of the tournament because Nigeria won these big, massive vibes. Nigeria won these big, some sort of Good and Russia 2018 gave some insight. You know, the quality of Jesse, everyone going over wanted to have 
a field of that destiny. Whether it will have just one uh, of Nigeria and telling you that we have that massive appeal, global appeal as a country uh, beyond our population. We are football fanatics. We're crazy about the game and definitely supporting the Falcons. You will always have the numbers. We we'll always have the numbers. So I'm I'm really keen about what the prospects are for Nigeria, even though we definitely have a challenge at the same time uh, for a country like Nigeria. We've always turned out massively for ourselves, and also, especially when it comes to the big faith, we always show up and we always want to styling our opening. So, definitely, Ireland fans and Nigerian Islands must be prepared for what we cover them and you know, expect the best because strongly we would not want to really make a mess of ourselves. We had a terrible uh, Nations Cup this time on the global stage. We want to go a step further. Uh, you mentioned that when I saw the draw and I saw that Ireland and Nigeria wound up together, of course, we have a very vibrant uh, uh, Nigerian community in Ireland and it's great for them. But I thought when we get these fans together, this is just going to be the best atmosphere of the whole tournament is going to be in the group game between Ireland and Nigeria. Uh, you mentioned there about the, the recent uh, Cup of Nations there. How did Nigeria qualify and how do other African nations see you, Samuel? Do they sort of look up to Nigeria and say, that's the team that we want to be, that's the team we need to be? Or do they sort of, you know, not like you because you're like, you know, the Manchester United or the Manchester City of Africa because you win everything that you enter? Yeah, no, definitely, you know, you, you have your friends, you have your foes, you have your, uh, those who would definitely be jealous of you. But it's good when you're on top, uh, everything wants to be like you. Everything wants to be really, uh, wherever you are prepared to be at your level. And basically, you set that massive standard, that wide gap that feels was what had to, to meet up. So I think it just like you mentioned massively, now teams know they need to develop, still know they need to be very strategic, team knows, teams are club knows that they need to do better in terms of planning. And for Nigeria, you have planning, you have the the, the you, you have a history of dominating the continent, we have a history of dominating competition, then you will always be uh, the, the thing to change. Whether you win it or not, you always be the thing to change because surely you will never, you can ever be a walkover. So I think it it creates some sort of fear in many of these events. When the team comes to me too, I remember in 2018, uh, when I did have met Zambia, and you know, Zambia, uh, this fight they came with so much prospect, they ended up losing, I think, 5-1 or thereabout uh, in Ghana, uh, 2018, as a couple of nations. But as for what happened at the 2022, Last day at the same day to win a couple of nations, you know. But they played Nigeria and the top place part. So even though Nigeria came into that game with so much easiest around the team, but they managing to beat Nigeria, you know. I have put that in Nigeria, Kagabi have found players playing abroad, who in Nigeria, we want to beat you guys, we want to speak you guys. So it's not just about Nigeria. When you see country like Morocco, they want to prove yes, they have come out here. And that is the advantage of the game because other teams will want to grow in maturity, they want to grow. Uh, in terms of quality, they want to improve. They also want to do what Nigeria has been doing for many years, and that is having lots of their players being exported abroad. So many countries now are enjoying that. You see, the same thing we want to talk about Australia, many of these countries, we talk about playing, having all our players playing on the, home, on the local screen, playing on the domestic But now, uh, you see Australia, you see Nigeria, all of these countries, you see Brazil, they have more of their players, their professional players playing abroad, and just quite a little bit new who are playing on the domestic court. So, this is what the game is. And because when you move out, you have the privilege of getting more, more talented views, getting more uh, playing philosophy, trying to improve technically and also get to learn more about the game from various parts of the world, Europe, America, and some of these countries, even in China. So a lot, a lot of knowledge is being acquired by this player. That, that from what impacts the game, impacts the quality of performance, and also help improve the standard of competition within the teams and with the country. So I think it that uh five opportunity would say and with more investment in the game, every country know the gap it does lead to and it can be equally closed as much as possible. So I think this is what uh many countries in Africa, in Africa and even beyond think about Nigeria and now we think we, we know too well that the gap is past closing. Uh but again Nigeria always Nigeria and the NFM and when the friends come the experience the majority uh, the mentality is we call it from our life. And that's it. So if you could recall, probably you call it what the Cup, one of the toughest and also the worst game in the tournament was the Nigeria Morocco game. It was uh it, it had everyone's club banned, 
out to the, to the, to the, to the end of their chair, to the end of their chair, you couldn't tell where the game was going to. That's why Nigeria was saying with nine players uh, for the most period of the game. So basically, wait, Nigeria always show up, regardless of the noise they found, whatever the situation. The mentality of winning all the time will always come out. And that's it. This is that quality of uh, memories we do hold that, yes, when it's Nigeria, you won't show up. No matter with your size, no matter your age, no matter your strength. Nigerians will always turn up and but again, it's exactly the same time to see that the game is evolving. Countries are growing across Europe. You see the gap from just like this, who may as well talk if I'm telling you that the gap is fast closing. They, 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 they uh, sort of advantage that they do have to enjoy many years ago. Now, they're not still visible. You saw how Netherlands held there, you know, and you could see people from the Euros competition, you know, how England found the tournament. This is massive for the women's team. And with all investment that they uh we must be open to see what surprises that I believe there's a lot of spoils to watch out for in this upcoming uh women's World Cup. And I won't be surprised if Ireland uh really really keep on what they did against Zambia. But again, doing that against Nigeria might be something that we'll have to watch watch and wait for. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye out for that, all right. Let's move on to the tactics, my friend, because you mentioned Zambia there. Ireland, obviously, they like to play this low block, five at the back, no space for an Oshawala to play in, no space for individual brilliance, and that's what it takes to break down that kind of team. Presumably, when Nigeria have been dominant in Africa for so long, they're used to having a lot of possession. How do they like to play the game? Will they be happy in possession? Will they maybe try to play on the counter against Australia and Canada? How will they break a team like Ireland down, do you think? Well, I think mean, what has come to Nigeria is the strength, and that's you saw against them. Their African teams are blessed with that physicality, and this is one major advantage they are prepared to hold. And uh, like you said, when you have a counter advantage, it's something that the most African teams, uh, you saw against them there, how you guys really struggle with this against the Barbara Banders and Cody Magic. Uh, it was quite a tough one. But again, I was happy with how. Uh, Ireland did manage that game and massive respect to Vera Poor. You know, she has a uh, massive experience about uh massive experience of knowledge about African schools having hands for that Caribbean. So it sort of will be a, a, a plus for South Africa for Ireland, you know, especially in Nigeria side. But surely definitely I know Vera Poor was against the world the of South Africa and some of the occasions she won some she lost. I think it's gonna be a massive difference, big similar because now Nigeria seems to have a very different block. Uh, we have, uh, we are not just putting Nigerian players. We now have the base of foreign pop players who have gotten it from the US, played in England as, as English pop players. It's really, really a mix. Definitely a mix. But for a coach like Randy, every day, we definitely would left it on counter attack, having probably two players up on, or it's put on it, have a twist sometimes where you have the players, uh, one on the wing, does it, it's a top striker. Linking up, and it's definitely when you have the friend or player you have, you know, possibly likes of a Russian and a Jibadi playing for Atletico Madrid. And she, I think she's one of the top scorers of the team uh, for the previous series. So, definitely, when you have a fifth match, you have another express player in your final day, who is playing uh, in most likely a hot continent and uh, hot World Cup. So, we have some, some of these experts there who is very, very time We have some youths who are coming into the squad to play the major tournament for the first time. The likes of Esther Corral, who just took to Spain from France. She won the second division league uh, with certain players in France, and now she has moved it, it to Spain. And we also have uh, players like uh, that we saw at the last time, and who is doing where we put on the UF. And that uh, is not, not other than uh, what's the name? Uh, if it's on Lebanon, if you So I think these are very, very talented, very intelligent finishers who will only go there with a big. Uh, can make a mess of your team, and they are very dangerous. And surely they have left a lot of play uh, with the Nigeria team at the, at the African continent. And I know definitely they want to be something different uh, at the World Cup. So we've seen when you watch some of our friends, you can really better. I will switch between four three three to four four two. So the team could even switch. And most definitely, we know we rely heavily on that. But sometimes we push definitely want to sometimes really try to probably play to the middle. Or on most locations, uh, most sometimes try to play you or most locations rely heavily on his winger. So this mm-hmm. is where uh, you have the types of what they play, 
they have the bikes of uh, Arashida and Jiba. They play with, with bass. They also have Uchina Kano, who also play, play, who play, play previously in Sweden. Uh, before moving to, uh, to America and now she's in the US with her lifting rules as well. So I think it, it's a very, very important uh, thing, fast that thing that definitely we have active up front and we have so much a plain, plain tactical plan that could be implemented depending on the kind of opposition we are going to face up. When you see, when you watch back at the last World Cup, definitely we were very conservative because we know we're playing against some of the very, very young teams. And uh, most likely when you watch the game against Nigeria France, Nigeria against France, you see we're very conservative and it's just a stroke of luck. That fell out that France were able to get in the late minute of the game that they have managed to the land, it will have been a soccer for, for, for France being held on their own. But against the against South Korea, we came not out because we knew South Korea were equals, they are therefore that we don't, as much as we have some very experienced and beautiful defenders, we know we can always keep them on the counter attack. And when we have the counter attack advantage, finishing with the massive. And so you still struggle how to spectacular without finishing against South Korea. It was a massive victory. Just on the counter, just a, 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 a pass from the from the wing, uh, from the left side, can that was it. They just looked at it and ran it from the side and got that ball in. That was it. So this is what this is the difference Nigeria could make. And using the strength, using the speed, the pace of a player, definitely it kind of fortunate uh where you don't also do it to exploit Nigeria's defense enough. Definitely, you may you may be all for a serious drama of the thing. So I think it. Really, really, a very, very uh, interesting system that we may have. But I know I expect against Ireland, understanding the history of Ireland, that that's not how quality the team is. And the the value of the the, the experience, also the players of the Ireland team have, that really that's me inspired the sort of approach that Nigeria may get to implement on that. But I expect an all out attack against Ireland of Nigeria five, uh, predictably because we know if we deal with it, we should get a good way. I remember that uh, Nigerian team in 2019 and they seemed to show an awful lot of respect. I was at the game against Norway and if I remember rightly, it was a set piece. The first goal came from a corner and the second, I think, was a penalty when Carleen Grom Hansen was tackled in the box. And other than that, I just thought that Nigeria, you were, I was going, okay, go, you know. And the same thing against France. They showed France an awful lot of respect that maybe they didn't need to do. That we saw as the tournament went on. It wasn't the greatest French team uh, that we've ever seen at that time. And you kind of thought that if Nigeria had just believed or maybe been a little bit more attacking that they, they could have gotten something out of that you know um we always hear this thing in europe you know that african teams and african players there's a trope that they're not tactically flexible that they're individually very good but tactically they're not very good you mentioned there that this nigeria team has an ability to switch uh, do they have a lot of tricks up their sleeves samuel can they change from playing four at the back three at the back one forward three forwards do they do that and have they done that in qualifying yeah, absolutely. We we're capable, and I think that played out when we when we down to to back there against Morocco. We had to make that decision because what well, the method was already was already broke down. We had two methods. I we waited that the Vinka uh, built red carded, so definitely we had both players. And we were able to check uh, the Moroccan player. Nigeria, you know, it it's in the mentality, you know, keeping your ground and ensuring that. You don't create back in that could be easily where you could easily put for so I think this definitely played out against Morocco and we've had a different way dragging the game into the fallouts and before we lost Morocco in both places. So uh it definitely had a good day. Uh Nigeria looked at how to keep their their, their area tight to also manage opposition that they think could be very, very difficult to, to, to cope against. And you know, when you have like that's why I said when you look at are the quality of of, of of the team you're playing against. It definitely won't always require the kind of approach you're going to play. But, you know, like the record against Norway, I must tell you because personally I'm, I'm very close to the setup and also to the coach, so I I, I have huge background about everything that goes on. Realistically, uh, for the Nigerian team, we, we, like all the previous coach who was a sweep, uh, Thomas Granati, uh, he ha- really had a very great knowledge about the, 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 the Norwegian team. I've never been an experienced player, despite uh, not, uh, not, not, not too fantastic in recent time. They have that, 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 that killer 
artificially score it from set to set. And basically, the coach knew about this. Unfortunately, you know, but lots of concentrations on this game, and you could see a lot of things happen after that game. They got to run that place, a lot of things happened. And you know, the second round was not different. But when the first goal was considered, that remained the same simple to fall like a pile of cards. So, so much is expected to be seen differently. And this time around, I think it's a different setup, it's a different food. And then later, we know uh, the only advantage for us may be for feeding the wrong deficits for being as top professionals who have also been part of the setup for more than two years. But I think it's probably will be a factor for them because a lot of them too also have uh, a need to reveal their ego after not uh, making a very good impression of themselves at the African Mexico Bench. Thomas Denneby was a lovely man altogether. I'd actually forgotten that he was coach. I remember speaking to him after that game. He was a little bit disappointed, all right. Um, we mentioned the fans a little bit earlier on there. Um, obviously, Nigerians women's team, the most successful team in Africa, men or women, right? What are the expectations of fans now? Because you'll often find when you speak to Nigerian fans outside, you know, the first World Cup game, they'll always say, we're going to win the whole thing. We, we have to win the whole thing. We have a great team. These are the best players we've ever had. We're going to win the whole thing, you know? And is that the sense that you get from the fans that are going to be watching at home and in the diaspora around the world and who will be watching the games in Australia? Yeah, absolutely. Although the, the only concern that is there uh, is probably from the from the technical bench. Uh, I think uh, the concern well understandably because uh, the team, despite the quality it was said, couldn't really uh, support the expectations or couldn't really match expectations at the women's capital position. And that's somewhat has low expectations for Nigeria, making them feel like realistically, uh, you know, we are concerned about uh, the quality of the coaching because well, we know our players can do better than what they need. But again, players don't select themselves. Players don't give themselves a great plan. So this is an area where the concern affects them. This is an area where the expectations are quite limited and uh, uh, they, 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 are, they are probably Nigerians will feel work. We're going to the World Cup. While it's great to be part of the tournament, it's always something a young should have a reason to want to go and share the team, regardless of where the tournament is lifted. But certainly, in terms of expectations of the team, uh, I think it's quite not high. I want to run it. It's quite not high. Uh, based on the fact that clearly without the team, uh, had its whatever nations come out in, in Morocco, and surely that uh, puts very far in a very difficult situation. So, Making some give the statistics, I want to lie about that. I think it's quite low right now. But again, overall, Nigeria featuring at such a major tournament, definitely Nigeria's always going to turn up. Nigeria's going to turn up, regardless of what the tournament, how the tournament ends. So realistically, there we are on the, on the part of being patriotic. And I think this is it. And especially having a tournament in a country like Australia, surely go go out to visit Australia. You want to have an, you've already started about Australia. So this is one of the motivation. So seriously, it's just to go and enjoy yourself. And it's not about tying your hopes, tying your uh your your joy or your happiness to how far the thing could go. So in a fun thing is the tournament of two nations and Nigeria being uh privileged to be the the, the uh, uh one of the thirty two teams in four around five or more than nations in the world there. It's obviously something just like another it's something massive to celebrate. So I think this is, really, this is what I think of the boys are to the minds of Nigeria. But again, you never can tell uh, what could happen. And I know the girls are also actually, they are fully aware of how low the Nigerian are. So definitely they want to go to that tournament and already uh, give their best and also show that, yes, they are really better up than anyone could have possibly on their method. They would show the Nigerian fans at home that they were wrong to have maybe little, slightly lower expectations. Um, Nigeria is one of those countries that we've heard. England is one of them as well. There's a few countries that have had small disputes with their football associations about the subject of money and bonuses. And FIFA is saying that, you know, this time around, every player is going to make X amount of dollars. I think it's $30,000 at least in the time they're going to be away there. What's the relationship between the team and the Nigerian Football Association like at the moment? Are they happy with one another? Are the girls being properly looked after? Uh, do they have good training facilities, good travel facilities, that kind of thing? Yeah, realistically, at this point, it, it's really unpredictable. And, uh, I, you know, as it has been, Nigeria has always been, uh, Nigeria and the National Team the Federation always had this back and forth in just over the years, over two decades, I must say. 
And I think the last time it was 2004, they had a, a post run. And I think uh, it hasn't it, it been Wednesday, I must be honest. And I think definitely and repeatedly, the Federation could always do a lot better. But realistically, in recent terms, we've had it better in terms of preparations. I think uh, prior to the African Women's Cup, because we have not done that in game. And in the, not forget that the Nations Cup is also kind of a World Cup qualifying tournament. And it's also somewhat a preparatory tournament for the World Cup. So, uh, we had thought that I made it in the entire list time around. We had eight games, even though we lasted it in the back. We've had eight games, and six of those eight games were against women's World Cup foundation. So, you know, somehow when you when you read so much reactions, read so much emotion for it, especially from head coach, uh, you get to marvel that where are they coming from? And this sort of preparation that what they always it's, it's the best we ever had in this show like that because not that part when we played a couple of games, we played from many games, but we never had the mostly against what called bound them. So, but this time around, I think we've had that great number. And this time around, I think they are camping Australia already for, for a 15 day camping, and they already got it, they're already booking and their tactics and everything. So, I think this is what they need. They don't need games at this stage, they need camping to, to gel, they need camping to find the right tools within themselves. And this is what the coach has with Cameron Consumer again talking about. What is the defenses they have for the condition? I think some of these things have been sorted. If they have them there, it will probably be due to some level of response. And this has been from a storage and dimension to it. So I think we have one type of And I just like we have with a couple of countries across Europe due to this introduction of PayPal, uh, PayPal grant players. Definitely that has created this spread, uh, crisis of negotiation spreads. Uh, rules of bonuses. I think, like you saw, you you heard about England's situation to the declaration saying they are not paying any bonuses or paying anything from the affair. So, safety bar is very paying players, but they do it a month of money. So, I think this is it. This is it. Uh, but for, for clarity of whether there's an agreement or whatever, but now I think the play, the federation are pretty clear to the players. But it's on the players also perspective to also probably have agreed because. Uh, you know this football up too well. They could have possibly uh, agreed uh, it uh, conversationally, but again, possibly they could have a change of mind at some stage of the competition. So these are the major factors that you cannot in any way override. So these are all these things that play out, and uh, probably when they are not satisfied, you could see just like the English player said, they are responding uh, the decision of the federation. So well, this is this now is basically fresh. Point of growth, but I think it will definitely solve a lot of problems in the where players would have agreeable points and decide really that what is out there, especially when federations don't really have to reach conclusion, got a very conclusive end. But we know too well that the FIFA introduction of 500 points in depth there only came respectful and surely really thrown off every possible agreement that has been obtainable before now. So I think this is what is playing out. And as well as Nigeria has had a history. Of bonus rules, but I think this is taking a different direction because of the FIFA money uh, for the players. Yeah, especially for, you know, we're looking at a lot of players. I think, you know, when you and I have been to these tournaments before, we were earning more money than the players were because some of them weren't even professional footballers at that time. And it's great to see the fact that they're going to be well paid for for the party or the celebration of football that they're going to put on for us. Let us look at this group, my friend. We cannot avoid it anymore, right? Ireland meet Australia in the opening game. Nigeria meet Canada. Um, do you expect, I've always thought that that Canadian team is a little bit too old. And by that, I mean, Christine Sinclair has been around. She's nearly as old as me at this stage, right? Um, are they the sort of, you know, how do you see the group playing out? Because two teams go through, you kind of have to think that Australia being the host nation will have some benefit from that. So then Ireland, Nigeria, and Canada are fighting for that, you know, second place to go through. Or maybe they're not. Maybe you think that Australia aren't going to make it through. How do you see the group playing out? And what will the last game between Ireland and Nigeria mean for how that finishes? Realistically, I, I'm, I'm sort of I'm, I'm, I'm sort of being tension right now. I, I don't want to really move ahead or get by, get ahead of myself because I really want to let's wait for the moment and let's collaborate. And realistically, I think it's definitely going to be an interesting conference within all the four teams in the group because uh, it's very it's going to be unpredictable. Because what I know, despite being different, Ireland definitely could possess a lot of qualities. Ireland definitely had some rate. Uh, uh, about clubs 
experienced player, talented player, and this is what concerns I have. But what this debutant doesn't really think they can go as far as possible. We've seen so many teams who have really made huge impact and full of a lot of offense with major competition, and this definitely won't be a surprise. So, and uh, in comparison like this, I am about to also see teams that are underrated or underestimated to come to turn out to be spoiler. Do you get it? And so, uh, it, it truly will be very difficult to predict at this point. As mere looking at paper, Tony, it could be very effective, uh, but realistically, uh, undeterminable by just the area of clear history, but surely counts more on how very often turn out on the day. And I think these are the major uh, factors that really join up. And, and when you go to look at the team and analyze them individually, I think, like you did said already, Australia surely, I, I, I worked in Canada for the 22 edition and I, I saw the game against Nigeria. Nigeria was actually doing the playing as well and was scoring. And you know, what was going wrong? And this was a set of players who were even inexperienced. They have only probably four or five of them who are playing abroad. Now, if you can count just to knock you out and play, you know, they are probably, 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 uh, of the Australian national team who are playing abroad already. So, the same thing with Canada, the same thing uh, with the island. So, this, this is going to be a huge factor. And the same with Nigeria. So, you're having a group where you have so much professional players who have all been going up against them. Well, at this particular thing you want to see, it's going to be a, a, a titanic battle in the group reality. Yeah, because as much as I want to pass the chances of Nigeria, reality, you can't look away from the, the competitive strength of the remaining teams, up to the teams in the group. So, uh, looking at the first team, Nigeria, uh, Nigeria and Canada, Definitely, I have concerns because one, Nigeria will be without two of their best players uh, in the uh, Rosengard midfielder at Rivard Pemde, and also at the Madrid striker uh Rashid because of the suspension, the game suspension they suffered from at the Cup of Nations. So, uh, surely that should be a massive minus. But surely the team has possessed a lot of talented players. But in terms of the mix and style the coach wants to play, so predictable somehow, but again, definitely they have to have differences. So, it's going to be a very uh, unpredictable uh, lineup that we'll see against Canada. But I think for Nigeria, we are careful. Nigeria is careful of putting it put against any side. It's only the talent will be keeping rights with its plan and also efficiently to the rapper. That's it. We almost had that against our crowd. We had it well against, us, against South Korea. So these are the factors. These are the key things. So if you want some of our respect, friendly, uh, against Haiti, against Resident Evil 1, it's telling you that this is the team that would cause problems. This is the team that have to go up anything uh, uh, like an upset. So I think these are the factors I'm making, and I think it's really a huge advantage for either of the teams. So for Oslo and Nigeria, I feel you know, it's really going to be a tough one for Nigeria, a full order of Nigeria playing against the coach. But against Canada, I think we've met recently on two occasions. And it somewhat has given us a, a clear idea of what we do like on both sides. And we seem so uh, we're close to winning uh, on the on the Canadian soil, you know, and where we met and even though it ended with the draw and a team that looks so depleted, who just traveled and you know, however however that event did someone crying behind the same logistic issues has possibly uh nobody lose it initially. But the second leg we, we seem to be a man. The Canadian, but this speaks to the experience because most of these players, they know their sets too well. They play each other at uh, the club level, probably just some of the Canadian players months ago, even before the friendly. And uh, um, I know too well, they love them to get to the finals club level, which are very much aware of close people. I could say that it's cool with it, they tightly contest again with Canada, regardless of who Nigeria will be looking forward. So, surely it's a local game for Nigeria, it's a game. That it's in our hearts to play if we really want to. So, no doubt, both in possess so much talent, including Canadian players who are also Olympic champions. But surely, in the conversation like this, uh, you don't give respect to anyone. You must end your respect on the pitch. But I think this really play out. But, uh, for the last game against uh, Ireland, I feel it's definitely going to be uh, a game to, 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 to watch out for, for both teams. Surely, would be um, more like the only doubt of the team. Of the group and surely it's all brought down to what it's well. So I believe that if Nigeria would definitely be having the likes of uh, uh, 
basic players like uh, Adema Twain and also as that but it's really being involved a topper, you know. So I'm uh, surely Nigeria uh Nigeria against Zambia surely can be made of the way Zambia must move to to island. You never be the same way Nigeria would come up against uh against uh, Ireland because in a top formation like this we do better for people who play at the global thing than everyone at the top of Silicon. We see our efforts. We only know we're talking very bad to develop our physicality. Besides physicality, we know that quality, that technicality. That, that's what I put earlier, like you did mention. Uh, probably we don't understand the ball. Now we do because we now have foreign ball who have those very, very knowledgeable skills about how uh, the game could be played. And it is roughly not let possibly on most of the home ball players right there. Especially most of them that play uh, in Europe. So, I uh, realistically, for the national thing for the sport that is dominated, we don't have a double player in the sport. To tell you that, yes, this is the sport of top professionals from various parts of the world. So, I think it's really going to go that way. Surely, it will be talent uh, and football artistry on the spectrum around now. I just want this tournament to start right now as soon as we hang up the phone because I'm getting so excited by the whole thing. Which two teams are going to go through, Samuel? I'm putting you on the spot here. Ah, well, and that, that's, for me, that looks predictable. I think, like, everyone would have this rule. I'm not, uh, not, uh, I'm not too personal or too sentimental about Nigeria, but again, I definitely know that it surely could be, it could, probably could be, uh, and Australia and Canada are uh, uh, I, I, I will welcome an upset. I will welcome an uh, uh, upset against the odds. But again, I surely know that the odds are on Australia and Canada to go. But again, uh, Hussein, everything is impossible. Nigeria and Ireland possibly make a surprise. And surely it is part of football. And definitely it is a possibility that we can work well, on the reality things and Based on what is on paper, I think it does fair to admit that it's something likely uh, between Australia and Canada. These two teams have come a long way, they, not because they're highly ranked on the on the world on the different, but again, I believe they have also uh, they have their their for so long. They've been around. They also excel at the top level, and it won't be a surprise. Uh, it will be a surprise if they fail to go. Whoever gets through from that group is going to deserve it because I think it has been described elsewhere as the group of death, you know, but there's four brilliant teams in it. There's going to be so many great games. In it. Are you heading off to Australia very soon, my friend? I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. My data leaves the landmark process ready. So surely I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Despite the a very, very expensive. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the position that I have the accreditation, I have the visa, but I don't have the work to pay for the trip there. So at the moment, it looks like I'm going to be seeing all this from Stockholm. But if not, if it does happen that I manage to get down there, one of the games that I will definitely be watching is Ireland against Nigeria. And maybe I can sit beside you in the press box and we can have this conversation then and uh, maybe have a little chat afterwards, depending on how it goes. But for now, Samuel, thank you so much for joining me to give me that brilliant insight into the Nigerian team and the upcoming Women's World Cup. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, great, great to, great to look through the whole preview. And I think, even though we did possibly talk about players to watch, but I think probably we'll add one way or the other mention a couple of names that I feel probably will make with uh, the eye. So I don't think it, it's exciting and a great pleasure to be part of this meet. And surely I can't wait to, to possibly catch up with you, possibly online or physically in Australia. It was amazing. I think you actually named every player in the Nigerian squad at some point. So they're all players to watch for us on this podcast, you know. Well, we will. We'll certainly catch up during the tournament for now. But bon voyage and enjoy the trip down there. And we'll certainly be talking to you in the very near future. Most definitely. I'm always around. And I was really looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks very much for this idea. Thanks for this opportunity. And it's a great pleasure being there you go. Great chat with Samuel there about Nigerian football, about African football, about the Women's World Cup. I hope you enjoyed that and gave you some insight into what it is that we're about to face on Monday. This is one of those podcasts with not a whole lot of shelf life in its own way, right? Because, uh, as I say, some of the results are already in the bag and this game is going to be played very soon enough. So my apologies with the timing there, but as I explained... Um, 
it hasn't been an easy week, lads. Like, ah, Jesus, I, I can't emphasize enough how much the, the loss of Sinead O'Connor is kicking the shit out of me now. So soon after we lost Christy Dignam as well. So it really is a, it's a little bit on the tough side. But you know what? We shall get through this together. Um, if you want to support this podcast, patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm. Throw in a fiver a month there. The more people we can get on board, the better. I will be back soon. I'm hoping to maybe talk to one of the guys in the Irish squad when the World Cup ends. That may come be coming to you next week. If not, I have something else up my sleeve but normal service will be resumed this is as i say the last of the world cup specials now during the world cup i hope you've enjoyed it and uh, i'll be talking to you again soon but until i do that look after you as ourselves look after one another and we'll be back again soon with another episode of the global gale podcast with me philip o'connor take care